Awesome. So who's ready for the word? Awesome. See, you guys are getting it. You're waking up a little bit. Um, We're in a series called Walk the Walk, and this is week six. So how many of you guys are getting a lot out of this series? Awesome. Because we've talked about a lot of really important things. We've talked about hypocrisy, and we've talked about anger. We've talked about patience. Ooh, I, I need to listen to that one a few times. Uh, we've talked about pride and foolishness. It's a lot of foundational things that as a believer, we need to be reminded of these things. Because I know that I've been convicted a little bit by some of this stuff. Have you guys been convicted? Sometimes that word gets a bad rap, but conviction is actually really so good. It's our loving father that's coming and saying, hey, there's something that's not right. I want to make an adjustment in your life. You're a little off course, and I want to get you back on course. So I've learned to really love conviction, actually invite God to speak into my life, because when he's revealed something that needs to be dealt with, and then I allow him to deal with it, I feel so much better. It's kind of like I feel a little lighter and a little cleaner on the inside. Then you guys feel that? Have any of you guys ever been convicted of anything? Okay. All right. So if you've been convicted of anything, then you know what I'm talking about. And so we want to continue to be a people that invites God to say, God, show me what it is that you want me to see. And so that's what I'm asking you to do today. God, what is it that you want me to see from this message today? Can you do that? Okay. So I'm setting you up and you might feel like I am because today we're going to talk about our speech. Our speech. In my head, when I pictured saying this, I kind of pictured this like low murmur, you know, going through, oh man, a little grumbling groan, like no, because... We've all been in a place where we've said something that we wish we could take back, right? I think it happens to me probably more than most of you, like all the time, like, oh, that was a little too far. Um, Man, that joke, did it land? Uh, But we all have said things that we wish we could take back, but we've also all maybe missed opportunities to say things that we wish we wanted to. You like, a lot of times it's jokes with Matt. He's really good at being witty and he says things, and then like an hour or two later, I'm like, man that would have been a really good thing to say in that moment. Um, and, and sometimes I miss those. But that's not really what I'm talking about today. It was just an opportunity to tease with you a little bit. So James 3, we're going to start in that passage, verse 1. If you guys want to read along with me, it says, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what he says is perfect able to keep their whole body in check. We put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, and we can turn the whole animal. Or take a ship as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants it to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body, It corrupts the whole body, sets the course of one's life on fire, and itself is set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who've been created in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? So the author of this book is James, and what he's trying to convey is that the tongue is responsible for a lot of things, both good and bad. For great, significant things, 
both good and bad. And this scripture is highlighting some important things that we need to be aware of. That the effect of our speech, it affects our whole body in the course of our life. Did you guys get that? Our speech affects our whole body in the course of our life. It's far-reaching, probably way more far-reaching than what we realize. Hell wants to use our words for its purposes. Did you guys pick up on that? That there's an enemy that wants to use our words and the power that our words have for its purposes. And our tongue is very inconsistent because it both blesses the Father and then it curses those who were created in his image. In verses 3 and 4, it tells us that we should control our tongue. But I don't know if you noticed in verse 8, it said you can't control your tongue. And so today, I believe that if we really understand how powerful our words are and that they can bring life or death and how to cultivate them for God's purposes, then we can make a major impact for the kingdom of God. And so that's what I want to talk with you about today. But before we dig in, let's pray. If you could bow your heads with me. Dear Father God, we thank you for who you are. And we thank you for your word. We invite your presence into this place today, Lord God. And I pray that our hearts would be open to hear what you want us to hear, that our ears would be open, that our eyes would be open, Lord God. We invite your conviction, Holy Spirit, to speak to us so that we can more align our words with you and with life and with what you want to speak. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So point number one is the power of our words. Our words are very powerful. In Genesis 1, that we see that the words of God had great power. And as I was thinking about this, it said that God spoke and life came, but God spoke to nothing. And I was thinking about what is nothing. Well, we don't actually know what nothing is. Because as much as I can see nothing, it's like everything's dark, I don't hear anything, but yet behind all of that, there's still something, right? Behind everything that we think of as nothing is something, but yet in this moment when God spoke, there was literally actually nothing except for God himself. And from the nothingness, he spoke. He spoke and light became. Animals and trees and grass, it originated. Stars appeared. Like that's pretty amazing that his words created those kinds of things from absolutely nothing. And what's even more impactful is that we were created in his image. We were created to speak life in places that are nothing. And when I think of like stars became, I kind of ask the question, where did they come from and what did they become? And they just became. That's God. That's like a whole nother category. Kind of like Moses with the burning bush. And he was like, who do I go and tell those people that is speaking to me? And he said, I am. And Yeah, 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 but I am who? And he said, I am that I am. Like that's God. When God speaks, there's something out of nothing. When God speaks, he is the originator of all things. But we are created to reflect God, to reflect his image. The Bible tells us that when God called things that didn't exist as though we did, we in like manner can align our words with God and do the same thing. We can call things that we don't see in this world as if they are, if our words are aligned with God. At one point in our home, we were dealing with a season of like bickering and fighting. If you have more than one child, I'm sure as a parent, you know that happens. Um, And it was happening a lot in our home. And so 
It was like, we are going to change this atmosphere. We are going to do something about this. And so we sat around the table and we started telling everybody how grateful and thankful we are. Tell something nice about everybody around the table. It seems very ritualistic and very monotonous or whatever, but as we did this day after day, the atmosphere in our home started to change. What once used to be an initial sharp word started to become a softer word first, where people were very critical of each other in our home. They started to see the better things in each other. Our words, because we sat around the table and professed good things, we professed the things of God and aligned them with what he says, it began to change the atmosphere in our home. Our words created. They created an atmosphere that we wanted. But our words can also create an atmosphere that we do not want, which is what we began with, an atmosphere of bickering and fighting. We can do this in our homes. We can do this in our offices. We can do this in our groups of friends or wherever it is that we hang out. We have the power to create an atmosphere that we want. Proverbs 18.21 says that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. This is a powerful scripture. Death and life. It tells us your words aren't neutral. Your words aren't nothing. Your words have an impact, and they're either going to impact for life or they're going to impact for death in any situation. And so point number two is words can bring life. They can bring life. We're created to speak life. Like when God spoke to that void and brought forth life, we are created to do that, to speak the heart of God into places where there is death or nothingness. We are created to speak words that bring healing and bring peace. Proverbs 15, 23 says a word spoken in due season, how good it is. How good it is. When there's a word that you speak, if it's God's heart, God knows that there's a season meant for that word, that there's a person on the other end of that word that needs to hear it. And he's saying, how good is that? I don't think that, that this speaks to us in the same way it did in the Bible. How good? Like this is really fitting. It brings forth good in a moment when you see it. I hope you're seeing how powerful words can be. Has God ever used you to say the right thing at the right time? A few of you? Like, have you ever been in a moment, you're like, man, I'm going to say this. I really feel like I should say this thing. And you kind of feel like the impact is going to be like, they're going to be like, oh, thanks. That's so sweet. But instead, what you get is like tears. And you don't know how much I needed to hear that. Like, that's an example of a word that is in due season, that is good, that came from the lips of the Father to the heart of that person. That's the power that our words can have. And God has, has words for you to say that are life-giving. Words that are on his heart for one of his children. Proverbs 25.11 says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. And I personally have never seen an apple of gold. Not really sure what I would do with it other than sell it. But it is painting a picture that they're very valuable. That they have a lot of value, a lot of cost. They are a treasure. Those words that are fitly spoken. I have a friend who years ago, she came and she's like, I feel like I just wanted to tell you that you don't waste words. That when you speak, you don't waste words. You don't have a lot of frivolous words. 
And that seems like just a, you know, whatever compliment. Oh, thanks, that's nice. Except for I used to be so afraid that I was going to say something stupid, like a lot. I was so afraid that I was going to say something stupid that I really didn't speak. I know for some of you, you've heard Matt tell the story of when we first met. I was kind of like a mute and, you know, didn't really say too much. I was just really afraid that I was going to say something really dumb um, and look stupid. But when she said that to me, it was like life to a desert place in my soul. All of a sudden, I was like, man, maybe my words aren't so stupid. Maybe they actually have a little bit of wisdom. Maybe God can use my words too. And as I began to allow that life-giving compliment to saturate my soul, that lie that I once believed that my words were stupid began to fall away. But it was just a friend that was just obedient, that just said something that she felt like God was leading her to say. But yet it brought life. A lot of people have told me a lot of things in my lifetime. At 43, I've heard a lot of things, but there are very few that have sat with me like that. And here I am, that was probably 20 years ago or so that she said that, and I still remember it. I still remember where I stood. I actually still remember what I was wearing, and I still remember how I felt. That's how life-giving those words were in the moment. And if you're a child of God, he has that for you as well. There are times for silence and times to listen But there are times to speak. And when we speak God's heart, it brings water to parched souls. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart or transfer grace to the hearer. I want to be a grace transfer. Do you? I want to be one that edifies. Don't you? So we have to be mindful of our words so that they're bringing life because point number three is our words can also bring death. They can also bring death. I like using the definition separation for death. There's a lot of definitions for death. But, you know, in the the, uh, garden when Adam and Eve ate the apple, the Bible says that it brought death, that sin brought death. And what it did is it separated them from God. When we die, a physical death, our bodies separate from our soul and spirit. And so in thinking about this, when we speak words of death, we are separating people from the truth of who God is and the truth of who they are to him. It's a lie. Words of death are a lie. And a lie is a separation from the truth of God. Listen to this passage in Timothy Paul is exhorting this young pastor to say these things to the member of his congregation. 2 Timothy 2, it says, Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness, and their message will spread like cancer. Paul's writing two letters to Timothy. And in a large part of one of these letters to this young pastor, he's saying, charge your people to guard their mouth. Charge your people to watch their words because their words have power to bring death. He said, don't speak words that don't have profit. 
So as I'm sitting here thinking back through the last, like, I don't know, five minutes of what I said before I got up here, did everything I say have profit? When I was exhorted to go and greet people around, were my words profitable in those moments? That's what Timothy's saying. He's saying, make sure your words are profitable. There's a lot of profitable words that God wants us to say. But as I said in the beginning, there's an enemy that also wants to use your words to bring death. And Timothy is, or Paul is saying to Timothy, tell them to guard their mouth because if not, it will bring ruin. Ruin, that's, that's a heavy thing. That's a heavy thing. There was, uh, we were at the farm a couple weeks ago and this farm is so pretty out there. It's in a town that probably none of you have ever heard except for Vicki and Marty if they're here, um, out in the middle of Missouri and it's about 180 acres surrounded by multiple other acres that the only thing people really do there is hunt and raise cows. So there's lots of cows and lots of gunshots. Um, but you're safe. Don't, don't worry. And when we were here, it's a place where the eight of us that are always very close together and also around lots of people can actually spread out and get away from everyone. So it's really, really nice um, to be at the farm and have that time. And so we would read our Bibles and then we would go and just be alone with God. And so Bella had came to me one day because I'm always like, so what did God say to you? You know, what is he doing in your heart? And whatever. And she was like, God revealed to me that there was words that were spoken over me that I've been living under for probably a couple of years. And she was telling me that, you know, she was trying to like encourage someone towards growth, that they were insecure and that they said, you're being so controlling so controlling. And when she heard that, somehow that sunk into her soul. And for the next couple of years, she shied back from places of leadership. She shied back from saying things. She'd remembered that word for years and allowed it to cause her to not walk in everything that God had for her. And so thankfully in that moment, God's so good. And he revealed that to her heart and she was able to forgive and all of that stuff. But the thing of it is, is the person that said that to her, I know that they care about her. I know that that's not what they meant. It was just an idly spoken word that was spoken over her that sowed death into her heart. And she lived under that for a few years. And so thankfully God set her free. But in hearing that, this should cause our words to be taken more seriously. To realize if someone who cares about someone else can say something just frivolously like that, they can have a two-year impact on how they walk out life, shouldn't we say, wow, I need to be mindful of what I say? Paul also told Timothy that idle babblings increase to more ungodliness. So have you ever said, like, oh, that's just a little something? That's That's just a little gossip. It wasn't really all that big of a deal. It's just a little white lie. Not that big of a deal. There's no little things that are not that big of a deal. What, what Paul calls them is idle babblings, and their result is ungodliness. So like with Bella, when an emotional moment, when emotional response was given, and words were labeling, words were labeling, we don't want to do that. Because this message and that story has caused me to go back through a lot of things. And be like, man, where have I said something that I'm saying you are so instead of maybe you're being in this moment? Like, that's a small adjustment, but that was something that God had convicted me of a long time ago. He was like, don't come and tell your kids you're a brat. Say you're being a brat in this moment. 
Because they are. They are being a brat in this moment. But that is not who they are. And that is not a label I want them to live under. You know, you're being whatever. It's just a subtle thing that we're not speaking death over someone. That we're calling out an action, not a person. Jokes. Have any of you ever said a joke that's really not so funny? It's really more mean. Yeah? None of you. Okay, that's okay. I just want you to know, like, God is funny. Like, everything good and perfect comes from God, so humor definitely comes from God, but it's never one that brings death. So be mindful of that. Just be mindful of how you joke, you know? I mean, only make fun of, like, your kids and stuff. I mean, that's, that's a good, safe place. I'm joking. Um, point number four is our words flow out of our heart. And I think this is the part of this message that I really want to get through to you because when Paul says that no one can tame the tongue, what do we do about it? And I think it's understanding this part. In Matthew 12, it says, either make the tree good and its fruit good or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. But I say to you, for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. And hear this, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Our speech gives an indication of where our heart is. Where is your faith? Well, how are you speaking about it? If you're saying, I trust God in this moment, are you speaking like you trust God in that moment? If you're saying, God's going to heal me, but yet you're speaking things that are not in alignment with that, then your heart is not really there. Because out of our heart, our mouth speaks. They give voice to our thoughts. They give voice to our thoughts. And we must weigh our speech by taking our thoughts captive like the Bible says, and not allowing ourselves to ponder, to think on doubt, lies, gossip, and negativity. Rather, we got to fill ourselves with life-giving words of God. I've shared this story before, but it's the best one I got. Um, after about 20 years of walking with God, finally, I got a hold of, oh, you actually should read your Bible every day. So maybe if some of you aren't there yet, you know, I was there too, but I'm going to tell you, you actually should read your Bible every day. And so once I committed to doing that, started reading my Bible every day, it took about 18 months, but all of a sudden I started seeing that my words were different, that the way I spoke was different. I wasn't trying to speak differently, they just were becoming different because what I was pouring into myself was different than what it once was. And since my heart was being filled with life-giving godly words, more of those life-giving godly words were coming out. And the opposite of this is true. My grandfather, my last grandparent, passed away in 2019, and he died of COPD. So the last years of his life, he was becoming less and less active and more and more sitting in front of the television. And so there's this period of time where he didn't really realize it, but he started speaking really negatively. Like, every, he was very fearful, you know, there was a lot of stress, and it was like, what's going on? That's not really who you are. And we realized that he was watching the news all the time, all the time. And we were like, Grandpa, like, you got to stop watching the news all the time. And he's like, well, it's Fox News. <laughs> Even still, 
Um, even still, it's still negative stuff that's going on. Not that you can't know, not that you can't watch the news some, but you cannot fill yourself with that kind of thing because he was filling himself with the world's viewpoint, with the way the world saw things. And the problem with that is, is the world doesn't know. The world is not God. The world has a different vantage point than what a child of God should have. And so if we're not going to the word of God to see the one that was at the beginning and the end, the one that has made a way through every situation, then we're going to see things very differently. And every other viewpoint but God's is hopeless, is full of fear, is full of doubt, is full of negativity, and it's wrong, and it's wrong. Because, guys, at the end of the day, God wins. No matter what we see going on, even with all this stuff going on at the Israel, at the end of the day, we know they're going to have a revival. That's what's going to happen. And so while we're going to pray for Israel and we're going to believe for Israel, we feel sorry for the people that are suffering right now. At the end of the day, Israel will see revival. That's God's viewpoint. And that's what the child of God should be speaking Edifying speech comes from edified souls. Psalms 19:14 says, "Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight." They go hand in hand. You can't meditate on things that are not holy, that are not God, that are not edifying and expect to speak that way. We can speak about unfortunate things in an edifying manner. And I'm going to use a phrase that Pastor Rick always used that I had to look up to see what it meant. This isn't I'm pie in the sky. You guys remember pie in the sky? I'm like, what does that mean? But it isn't like talk fluffy all the time. Like some people get the idea that you got to pretend like nothing's bad and talk as if nothing's happening. And that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that you be realistic with what's going on. But then you go ask God what's really going on. God, I see all of this, but what is really happening? I want to see with your eyes. I want to think with your thoughts. I want to see above what is going on in this world and know what is actually going on in the spirit world. It's a knowing that flows from the heart of the redeemed, from the heart of those that spent time with the Father. And you can come and you can bring life from that place of knowing. And when you speak the words of God because you've been with him, because you've heard his voice and you're speaking those things, then all of a sudden you bring hope to a place that is without hope. You bring life to a place that has been dead. As I close, I want to end with this. That speaking the Lord's words is not a laboring effort. Maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking this and you're like, I got to work harder. Man, I've said all these things and I got to, man, I got to work harder. I got to try harder. That's not what it is. It's not a laboring effort. It's a surrendering effort. It's a surrendering effort. In the opening scripture of James, it says in verse 8 that no human being can tame the tongue. So I'm just here to tell you, if you're working in your own strength and you're trying harder and you're doing anything, you're going to fail. You're going to fail. But if you surrender and you let Jesus, you let the Holy Spirit do the work through you, then we can succeed. Without God, our speech will bring death, but the cross overcame death. Isn't that good news? That Jesus came and he overcame all death, all death of sin, all death of lies, all death of labels, all death 
that the enemy tries to bring, he overcame that. And so we can surrender to what he's already done, what he's already won, and the victory that he already has, and we can walk in life. But it takes us being with God. Surrendering, where do we surrender? We surrender our schedule to putting him first. We surrender our time to spending with him. We surrender our priority to taking those thoughts captive and making sure they align with God. We surrender our life and everything in it. And as we do that, he will use our words. Hebrews says that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the division of soul and spirit. So as we surrender to him, the great physician comes and he starts to cut out those places of death in us, those viewpoints that are not right, the things that we believe that are not true, and he starts to fill them with truth so that when we speak, when we act, when we move, whatever we do, it's from a place that's a good tree bearing good fruit from a place of life. I want to ask you today, how surrendered are you? How surrendered is your schedule? How surrendered are your thoughts? How surrendered is the source that you go to for truth? When you see something happening, do you go to the news first or Facebook or TikTok, which is a really bad place to go? Or do you go to God? God, I'm going to start there. And then I'm going to let that be the filter that everything else that I read or research goes through. Because it's easy to hear what's going on and to be like, oh, let me Google what is happening right now in Israel because we have a trip planned in five weeks that's not officially canceled. What is going on there? But yet, where I should go first is, God, what are you doing there? What are you saying first? And so then when I read about the things that happen, it's going through the filter of what God has already said. How surrendered are you? So I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes as the team comes up and ask, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? What is he highlighting in your life? What is he pointing out? Maybe there's some words that you need to repent for. Maybe there's places of surrender that you need to let go of. Maybe there's some adjustments in your schedule or your time or your habits of your day that you need to lay down and let God reprioritize for you. But maybe there's some words that have been spoken over you. Maybe that is what God's highlighting, that there's some labels and things that you've been living under that needs to be broken off of, that you need to forgive so that you can fully walk in the purposes that God has for you. Because when we live under lies, we speak from a place of that lie in that area. And so we need healing. So before we leave today, I just want to take a moment and let the Holy Spirit do what he does, minister to your hearts. And I'm going to pray over you. And if you're in any of the places that I pray, you receive what that is. If there's something you need to let go, let it go. 
If there's a place you need to surrender, surrender that. If there's someone you need to forgive, forgive. If there's an adjustment, a guard that you need to put on your mouth, then ask the Holy Spirit to do that. If there's thoughts that you need to take captive, then commit to doing that to the word of God. So dear Father God, I just pray for every situation in this room, for every child of God, for every person created in your image, Lord God, that was meant to bear words of life. Father, I pray that you would first highlight everything that needs to be highlighted, Lord God. And people who need to surrender, I pray that you would help them to surrender, to let go of control, that you would increase their trust, Lord God, that they would see that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and the only life giver, the only source of that. And Father God, I pray that they would put their full trust in you and surrender. For those that need schedules worked out, God, you are the way maker. And so God, I pray that you would make a way through each and every schedule in this place for those who are truly committed to seeking after you and making you a priority. Lord God, I pray that you would give them eyes to see how to work through those situations. And Father God, for every mouth that needs a guard, and God, that's all of us, I pray that there would be guards of Holy Spirit put on our mouth, Lord God, so that there would only be life-giving, edifying words that would flow out of the mouth of your children, Lord God, that our eyes would be open to places that are desert and parched, that need life, Lord, and that our words would be used to speak life in those places. And finally, Father God, for everyone that's under a label, everyone that's sitting under words that were spoken over them, I pray that those bonds would be broken, those chains would be broken in Jesus' name, that healing would come to those hearts, Lord God, that they would no longer live under that, that truth would come to those places of lies in Jesus' name, and that they would no longer be able to have control over them. Thank you, God, that you are a chain breaker. And we just give you praise and honor in this house today. In Jesus' name, amen.